You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to NSPS Radio. This is your host, Kurt Sumner, again. Glad to have you joining us today. Um, Looking forward to a really interesting show today. Not that I don't always look forward to interesting shows, but in particular today because uh, my two guests are joining me from, uh, I believe you said, 100 kilometers east of Amsterdam. So it's great to have you both on. I have Paula Dykstra with me and Eric Hagemans. So welcome to you both. Thank you, Kurt, for having us on the show. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you uh, being willing to join me today. There are a lot of issues, or several issues, I want to have you guys talk about today. And, and of course, we when we talk across the, the oceans or even different parts of the country here in the U.S., for that matter, uh, we talk a, a, a lot about our similarities, but we also talk about our differences in the way we do things. So I, I guess you're both aware that on the east coast of the United States and what were the original colonies, our survey systems are different from most of the rest of the country, which is in what's known as the public lands system, where data is, uh, I will say, predetermined, but at least the framework for property distribution and ownership is predetermined by the public land system. And in the eastern part of the country, we still use the old meets and bounds systems that came here with the with the Europeans, or at least the the English, I guess, were the primary ones, and maybe the Spaniards to some degree. But our our listeners are all, or most for the most part, are surveyors, so they're always interested in what's happening in other parts of the world, and interested in how we might learn things and talking with people from other parts of the world um, about advanced systems. Um, part of our issue here. And, and I may be telling you something you already know, but, but part of our issue here is that the adaptation to newer technologies and cataloging data about property and creating um, cadastres and, and the, the types of formats that property is, is placed into in different places hasn't been as commonplace here. I mean, we still have lots of just courthouses that have a, an old tax map and a few deeds and that's being a bit of an extreme, but nonetheless, we're we're in a different system here. So um, maybe a good way to get you introduced to the audience is for each of you, and, and Paul, maybe I'll have you start first, uh, give our audience uh, um, a bit of background about what you do and how you came to be in the, in the job you're in. Okay. Um, just, uh, that's, uh, that's all right. Um, I started... Um my career as cadaster in 2008, and it was after I worked for a few years as a geographic analyst at uh, the company called nowadays called uh, Here, where I gathered um, uh, information to update uh, the, their navigation uh, maps for the Netherlands. Um, and um, yeah, the, I had it was an American company. I enjoyed the international aspect uh, of that job. Um, but then I moved on to uh, Cadaster, and our organization, we call it in the Netherlands Cadaster, but it's actually the Cadaster Land Registry and Mapping Agency, so it has multiple uh, tasks. Um, and um, after a few years working there, I moved to the international department because that's what I really like about my job, the international uh, aspect of, um, yeah, of being a land uh, professional. So I started working there in 2011, and I'm now, as a regional manager, responsible for the international project, uh, projects 
uh, we do at the international department in uh, Central and Eastern Europe, and also the projects we do for the global land tool network. So um, just to correct uh, the way of thinking, maybe, um, uh, we do not do a lot of international projects. Uh, in, as a company, we have like 1,700 employees, and our department is really small, um, um, like 10 uh, to 12 persons, and we support uh, countries um, who are still uh, really developing their uh, land administration system. Um, so that's what I do now in, in a daily job. And besides that, um, I was also the vice chair of the FIG Young Superiors Network. And one year ago, exactly one year ago, I was also in uh, the United States um, participating in the second uh, Young Surveyors North America uh, meeting, um, which was uh, held in a very, very cold uh, Minnesota. <laughs> that was for me the first <laughs> time to experience real, real, real cold winter time. Yeah, so I recall being at that meeting, and it definitely was cold up there. Yes. <laughs> so, Eric, are you in the same department, or are you in the same company in a different department? I'm at the same company at a different department. I'm, uh, I, I work at the uh, surveying part of the cadaster, surveying department, and I'm uh, responsible for the innovation over there. And I have a task as a uh, senior advisor uh, specialized in geodesy because my background is geodesy, um, which I studied in, uh, in Delft at the university. I worked uh, before at some private companies and a uh, very long time at the University of Practice where I was teacher in geodesy and uh, manager for some time. And uh, two years ago, I... Uh, I uh, I decided to join the cadaster because, in the meantime, the cadaster has transferred from a uh, to be uh, not so very respectful uh, kind of dull organization to a very uh, modern organization with a lot of new um, tasks uh, like a mapping agency, uh, cable and uh, cable and uh, uh, pipeline, cable and pipeline distribution, etc., etc. We are. Uh, we have a lot more uh, uh, work, um, uh, a lot of different tasks than we had uh, in the past. So I'm very happy to uh, to join it uh, over here. So tell us a little bit about uh, Cadastra itself. How, well, what how, how what's its makeup and its primary objectives? Well, you, you, you told a little bit about uh, this, the different systems uh, you are having. Um, our system originates from France by uh, Napoleon, um, and that makes um, our registration also a pretty old one. We have uh, deeds going back uh, to the early uh, 1800s, um, and that's uh, pr the, the, our primarily, prim primary tasks uh, were the land registry and the cadastral surveys. Uh, but over the years, um, the task of our organizations uh, increased. So in the 90s, we also became responsible for the topographical mapping department. Um, so that's also part of our task. And um, nowadays, you can see our organization more as a uh, geospatial uh, node for uh, society. So um, we are um, responsible for several key uh, registries, but we also provide information uh, to society um, for several, several um, facilities. 
for instance, for the valuation information, um, also about cables and pipelines, um, about the large-scale um, mapping um, um, organizations. So those types of data are collected by the municipalities in the Netherlands, but we distribute them uh, to society. So that's a different role than only collecting uh, the data for the land registry and the cadastral survey. So in the, as you share this data, um, as, as it comes about, I just, I'm doing this for my own education here. When the municipalities are gathering the data, I assume that is similar to what a, a GIS department might be in a, a local county or city here in the U.S., where they gather all the data and put it into to some type of GIS system. Um, and it sounds as though that that information that's collected is is pretty comprehensive. It's, it's not topographic, land boundary, um, perhaps resource. I'm not sure everything that goes into it. But am I correct in that thought that, that the collections that come through the municipalities and then, I guess, can be shared by, by companies like yours um, – Am I categorizing that correctly? Um, um, uh, some part of it. Not not really, because uh, for topographic work, uh, yes, because the municipalities are responsible to um, to build up the, um, a large-scale topographic map, but the boundaries, we do it all ourselves by the cadaster. And we even don't have private companies who do the work for us, only when we hire them in to work under our responsibility. But in a lot of surrounding countries in Europe, like Belgium, France, Germany, they have private surveyors who do uh, work for boundaries. But in the Netherlands, it's all ex exclusive um, to the cadaster to do that kind of work. But the distribution is centralized uh, at the cadaster for topographic information and cadastral information. Okay, I see. So... It you made a you made a comment about the boundaries, and you were you said that you you do the boundaries. Um, so I'm again I'm I'm trying to draw a, a parallel or perhaps a total difference. I don't know which the case is uh, <laughs> with regard to how how you work in gathering that data in particular. And and I get the whole topographic thing because a, a lot of our our municipalities, county government, state government, national government collect a lot of topographic data. Um, for their own uses, sometimes it gets used by the private sector, but oftentimes if there's a, a project that where topographic data is needed for design purposes, then that might be gathered by a private company, even a surveying company or a mapping company. Um, and then the boundary side, pretty much the way it works here is whatever information re exists for boundaries um, is collected in one way or another through the private sector over time with with the caveat of the public land system where the BLM is involved. But even then, the private practice surveyors are involved. So I guess my question was, when you're talking about the boundaries, it, it, is Cadaster responsible for determining where those boundaries are or reestablishing where the boundaries are from old records or that kind of thing? Um, and then you use it for your own purposes and share with other entities, or is it somehow tied to government information as well? And I know I threw a lot of in there, so if I need to explain better, I will. Yeah. Um, 
reply to each other because we, we both wanted to ask the question. <laughs> um, it is um, um, it is the, the boundary is is uh, exclusive still exclusively uh, done by um, surveyors who are in, in work for the cadastre, and we um, it is uh, information that we share with the public. But it is uh, because it is uh, about um, about legal uh, information. We think it is very important that uh, someone of the cadaster is going in the field to collect the new information when a new boundary is established. So when we split up a parcel, and that is uh, and, and to show where the boundaries are, we do it also at the as the cadaster. But private companies can do that if they like and they collect the information that is stored at our company, at our uh, office. I see. Well, believe it or not, we're at our first break. So let's go to that break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes and pick further, pick up further with our discussion. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, Paula and Eric and our audience. As we were going to break, Eric was talking a bit about surveying, and and I don't want to jump the gun too much, and I do want to have him come back and talk about uh, serving procedures in the Netherlands and and procedures through the cadaster. But before we go there, maybe, Paula, you could tell us a little bit more about the cadaster itself and its organization and what its roles and responsibilities are. Yes, yeah, so I just uh, explained about the different uh, tasks uh, we have. And, um, yes, yeah, uh, one of the tasks is that we ho- are responsible for several key registries in the Netherlands. So we have a key role um, in relation to uh, 
data sets that have a, a geospatial component to it and that are uh, of key um, interest to the public. Um, so that means that we are uh, the authentic, yeah, we, we deliver the authentic data uh, to society. And we do that for the topographic map. We do that for the uh, deeds registration, and we do that for the also for the cadastral survey map. Um, and it also means that that data, um, in this case, is open data. So our cadastral map is open uh, to the public. Um, you can access it as a um, as a citizen, but um, you can only view uh, limited information. You cannot see all the information. If you want to have uh, full information, you have to uh, pay a small. Uh, fee to access um, that information, but all the information is uh, is publicly um, uh, accessible, um, and it means that also other authorities, the municipalities, provinces, water boards, etc., they have to use um, our uh, information um, when they provide information uh, to uh, their citizens. So if it's about uh, describing their surroundings, they need to use our topographical map. If they need to use, if they need to have information about who owns what, they need to access um, our uh, systems and registries for that. And all those data sets, those key registries, are linked uh, to each other. For instance, if you uh, register a deed at our place, uh, we connect to the uh, person's uh, database by the municipality to check if that person really exists um, and if the um, uh, passport number, et cetera, and all the yeah, basic information um, uh, is the same. So it sounds as though the, the, the way it operates is similar in, in a lot of ways to uh, the jurisdictional type uh, arrangements here in the U.S. I'm, I'm just trying to draw the parallel for our listeners here, but for example, I mentioned earlier the whole the whole county structure. All of our 50 states are broken up into some number of counties, all of which have some um, level of autonomy in in their uh, data collecting and certainly in governance. Um, so, in our case, the things that you just talked about—the topographic map, the deed registry, the cadastral map—those types of things, in many cases, would be at any given county here, um, and then on a bigger scale in a given state. Uh, so it sounds like that, and the way the, the system works, it's open to the public, just like you say. If you want to get certain information, there's a fee involved. Um, so it sounds really similar from that perspective um, in, in your case for, I guess, for the entire country, though, right? Yeah, it's, that's one of the things. The key registries are also there that there are no uh, differences anymore between the municipalities or regions. So it's all collected the same way, and everybody has access and, uh, to the same information. So it's all at national level. Yeah, that we could only dream of that, actually, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of, of con uh, continuity. Because yeah. as, you, as you can imagine, and I'm sure you've probably gone through this long ago before before things came to be as they are now but uh, that's one of the one of the challenges that we have here even from county to county in in a state they may not all be tied into the same system they have their own data their own information but it may not be have been collected uniformly or uh, under the same uh, e even the same constraints so uh, i can imagine our our surveyor listeners sitting back as we're talking here today thinking, gee, wouldn't that be nice? 
if you had something like that. <laughs> just, yeah. just because of the ease of, of finding the information you're looking for, because that, that's always a big challenge, whether it's deep information or cadastral information or topographic information, sometimes it can be a challenge to gather. Um, and, and I guess one of the other quick questions I would ask about your topographic information, if someone were going to build something, uh, maybe they're going to have an office complex or whatever the case may be, and they needed topographic information on which to base their engineering design on how, how things are going to be built, is the topographic information you have at that level that they could use it for the design purposes, or is it more generalized and they'd have to do a, a more uh, localized, very precise measurement of the, the land for design? It's exactly as you describe it. So you uh, you gave already the answer. It is the last uh, thing you said. Uh, the topographic map has a quality of about 20 to 30 centimeters. So for general purposes, it's perfect, but for construction, it's, uh, it's not good enough. Right. And then I assume the deed registry, too, is, is basic information. It's the basic deeds. And um, is it commonplace to have um, what we would refer to as a, a, a boundary survey, a boundary map by, in, in, our, in our arrangement, it's by a licensed professional surveyor who's licensed by a given state to to provide that information. So is is the the deed side, the registry, and the and the the, the map side for for the land boundaries are? Is that done similarly to the way we would do it here, where a a particular surveyor might do the work and then submit it into the database that you have to be utilized further, or is it is it done on a broader scale? It's more the other way around. We first do the deeds. Uh, first, the, the, the buyer and the seller go to a notary uh, and describe what they will sell or, um, or what they will buy. Um, and if there's a split of a parcel, then later on uh, a survey will, be, um, will take place. So. Okay, so if, if you had a parcel of land that you owned and I wanted to purchase that land from you, then there's there's information about that in within the cadaster and it would be up to you or me or both of us to determine whether we wanted to have a surveyor go out and actually uh, sort of confirm that information on the ground. Am I understanding that correctly? Um. Yes, I think you understand it correctly. At, at the notary, we make an, um, a, a, a proficient... Yeah, but that's, that's a professional boundary, but that is the case if you buy a part of the parcel. In yeah. general, if you buy my parcel, the whole of it, just as it is described in the we normally do not invite a surveyor to confirm the boundary because no. it's already described there. It's already uh, in our, our D system with a cadastral map, so it's not necessary to uh, invite a surveyor. But if you sell a part, of, if you buy a part of my parcel, then uh, we will start a procedure, uh, and then the surveyor will come to do a cadastral survey. So and this is going to lead us on a whole different discussion here, so <laughs> I'll kind of explain where I'm going as, as I'm going there. Uh, w one of the big issues uh, in land ownership is, is knowing precisely on the ground where one's property boundaries lie, and that's why surveyors exist, to help them determine where those boundaries are from a deed or from 
some type of cadastral information that may have come from a map or whatever. But having having that information in a database somewhere doesn't necessarily satisfy the land seller or land buyer's uh, concern about where their land boundaries lie on the ground. So what I think I'm hearing you say is that, and, and this is kind of true in the U.S. too, you don't have to go hire a surveyor. Um, if you buy a piece of property, you can buy it directly from the records. But if you really want to know where the boundaries are, then you hire a surveyor to go out and confirm where they are on the ground. So am I understanding that your system is, is like that in a sense that although you're not required to have a survey when you transfer land, if you actually want to know where the boundary points of your property lie, then you would have a surveyor go do that. Is, am I understanding that correctly? Uh, you understand it correctly. Uh, you just point out to a nice discussion we do have here. I will explain to you how we work in the Netherlands with uh, precisely knowing where your boundaries are. For that, we use the field documents. Um, sometimes they are quite old, but the field documents can be used to determine uh, about some centimeters precise, uh, precision where your boundaries are. But that is sometimes, especially for the historic documents, very difficult to determine. So that is really a professional uh, task to determine that boundaries. But it is possible. We have the information. And if the public wants to have that information, they can ask it us, and we will supply them the documents. But they are very difficult to read. Right. And then if uh, and getting to the, the, the responsibilities, if, if somebody takes that information and says, okay, this is great, um, now I want to know where my house sits with regard to my property line or whatever, that's when a, uh, a surveyor other, other than what you guys do would be hired to go in and, and use all the data they gather from your system to to make that determination on the ground. I, I think I'm understanding that correctly. Yes. And, and, and again, that's the way it is here too. It's just we don't have we're not as sophisticated in our cadastres necessarily. But but it's, yes. I think it, it sounds like it's the same principle. Yes, it is the same principle. I think only. Yeah, it's the same principle, but I think the, the level of trust in, in uh, our cadastral maps and where the boundaries are is quite high. Um, so, yeah, in general, people do not invite a surveyor um, to, to check the boundaries, just not in a city environment where it's really clear where the boundaries are, where the fences are, etc. Right. Yeah, I understand that. And I guess that may be one spot where... Um, that trust word you just used may not be quite as strong uh, here yeah. for for one reason or another. could be the way the information was gathered, the way it's compiled, whatever the case may be. Um, but, but as I said, there are many cases, as you just pointed out, Paul, where you might have a city lot or something like that where people say, well, gee, this is... I already know where this is. I don't, I don't really need a survey. So it sounds like there's a lot of similarity, even if there may be some um, different characteristics and implementation perhaps, but very similar in terms of the overall approach to to uh, dealing with land and where it lies and who owns it. And So believe it or not, we've used up another segment of our time with, with me rambling on and on. Um, but it was good to have that conversation just for my information and for our, li our listeners' information in terms of, of how the systems work. So 
we'll we'll go ahead and take our second break here in, in a few seconds and come back and then uh, Eric, where we started to go when this conversation was that we'd get back and talk about the cadaster and, and surveying and elements in general. So let's go to the break and we'll be right back. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. Quick Stakes. Is your answer to staking lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes? Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next-generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. As we were going to break, we were talking about the, the level of trust in the, in the cadaster and, and how the different pieces work together. And when we're on break, we were talking about this amongst ourselves. And, and uh, Eric made a comment about uh, the dream of having a, a, a really great system. And maybe you can pick up on that and, and maybe even share some of the things we talked about during the break in terms of maybe where we stand and where we'd like to be. Yes, uh, thank you, Kurtz. Um, I will tell you a little bit about the cadastral map uh, in relation to our field documents, because the field documents, we have the exact information of the boundaries in the terrain, but it's sometimes uh, very difficult to read and uh, to transfer the information from the field documents into the cadastral map. Uh, it will take a lot of effort, so a lot of money, and we don't have that at the time. So now we have a project in which we try uh, to find ways to automatically enter the information from the field documents into the map. And uh, especially at the moment, we have an international request for information for companies uh, who can read difficult technical documents. So it's very exciting for us also to wait what will come out. So if it's possible to have automatic reading of old documents, we might do some nice things in the future and have a cadastral map with centimeter quality. But that is still a dream. Yeah, and as we were talking during the break, I, I think that's uh, 
whether it's a short-range dream or a long-range dream, I think that's, that's kind of a dream for all of us. Uh, I've mentioned this on the radio show, and I may have mentioned it to you guys before, but uh, it, for our conversation, it's probably worth re- repeating. Uh, in our country, the whole liability issue for surveyors, licensed surveyors, is is pretty high in terms of being liable for the for the work we do, and our laws don't have much in terms of limiting those liabilities. So, for example, for my license in the state of Virginia, my liability never actually goes away ever uh, because the, any statute of limitations doesn't begin until somebody thinks there's a problem with the work. So we tend to hang on to our inter- information forever in our personal files, and many times that never makes it into the public files. So if envisioning a system where our data, and we're actually going to have a conversation about this at our upcoming conference in March, um, envisioning a system where the work of a surveyor, that very precise survey information tied to the overall cadastre or, or database, going in and being part of that and enhancing that information would be a great thing. We're just a really long way from being there. And I don't know how far you are away, but we're really a long way from being there. Yes, we are uh, just doing the first preparations to uh, to establish a new data model for our database to to, uh, to store all the survey information we do have in uh, in a kind of uh, way we can uh, proceed them automatically uh, after, so to uh, to save money and to. Uh, to have the ability to, uh, to, to speed up uh, the process. But we are still in the beginning of a process of defining a data model, so it will take some, uh, some time. Yeah, that's certainly understandable. And, and Paulo, uh, Eric and I are having this kind of uh, what I'll call the land surveyor conversation <laughs> 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 about all the, the cool things we see and would like to know. And uh, So from the perspective of the, the piece of the work that you're doing, um, Understanding, of course, that we have this wonderful dream of how things ought to be, uh, but I guess I'm curious about how the lack of the accomplishing that dream has any impact, if at all, on the side of the work that you're doing. Yeah, that's correct. Our discussions uh, in our projects, not particularly in in, in Eastern Europe, but but in Africa or South America or Asia, is completely opposite. It's not about uh, obtaining more accuracy, but um, it's more focused on maybe being uh, less accurate in the beginning because uh, those are countries uh, or regions that are still building up uh, their systems. There's no registration in place. There's no has never been done a survey before. Um, so do you really want to start with a system where you measure really accurately or can you start a little bit less accurate but can move faster and provide tenure security um, quicker to the people? Um, so that's the, a different type of, um, of, of discussion. And it's right. sometimes right. quite challenging because, um, yeah, we are educated uh, with the value of having accurate uh, measurements. Uh, so it's quite difficult to say, well, a boundary that is less accurate, uh, like for 20 or 30 centimeters, or if you're in a rural area, even higher. Then that's, that's, um, uh, that's a challenging uh, discussion uh, to have. But... The goal is to provide people with uh, tenure security so that they can um, invest in their uh, surroundings, that they can invest in their houses, um, that they have 
prove that they own the house um, and that they can start um, 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 investing in, in because they can get a mortgage on their house, for instance. Right. And, and I, hearing you talk along those lines, um, in my mind, that makes me think a lot of this type of thing you're talking about right now is is some of the things you're doing when you go to other countries to help people establish those types of systems at that basic level? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. We do um, we, um, we do that um, with our team um, in uh, Colombia. Um, that's a uh, land is a hot uh, issue, a hot topic there. After uh, the peace agreements, like how do you do you uh, handle the land? And now the the peace agreements uh, is settled there. Um, my colleague works in uh, Mozambique. Uh, on they want to um, um, get um, yeah. Um, get tenure security for the people there, so they want to register 5, 5 million beats in five years' time. So how are you going to achieve that with a limited uh, amount of budget? And in the end of February, I will go to uh, Nepal um, to look um, uh, for ways um, in the areas that were hit by the earthquakes in 2015, how we can uh, support um, the government there uh, with demonstrations of having fit-for-purpose uh, land administration. So not the accurate systems uh, we are having, but in a different way, provide tenure security so that people can uh, rebuild their lives. Yeah, it sounds like you're, what you're doing is uh, similar in a way to, a, I'm not sure it was actually a practice, but a concept. This is a couple, three years ago, I had a, a person on the radio show talking about the same kind of thing and helping people, which seems so strange to us in developed countries, of course, but but just try to find ways to identify property ownership, whether it's taking a topographic map and finding a, a tree line or a fence or a stone, a stone wall or, or whatever that you can utilize to, to set up those ownership parameters. And like you said, not necessarily terribly concerned about precision at this point, but just identifying where, how you can, can create these systems where people can identify with their land. And, that, to me, that sounds like a really interesting and challenging thing to do. I, that must be very rewarding to be a part of that. Yes, it is. It's, um, I love my job. <laughs> and it's, uh, you, get in, you, you, you come to places and um, you otherwise would not come, and you, you get the opportunity to really discuss with uh, your colleagues in other countries and to really solve um, uh, those issues and to to contribute to a better world. And, um, yeah, we, we try to link our work also to the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, so uh, that's what uh, the, that's from the United Nations um, where they agreed on where we should be at worldwide in 2030. And um, those, so some of these goals are uh, clearly related to uh, spatial information. So we, as surveyors all over the world, have a task uh, to contribute uh, to that. And I think with all the technologies uh, at this um, that is available now, we can uh, do a lot, uh, and we really can contribute um, to yeah increase tenure security, and with that also have um, uh, um, yeah, that people in rural areas uh, can grow uh, more food. Um, so that also. Uh, helps to that, and by increasing the living uh, standards, um, yeah, r locally. Right. 
I, I, throwing in my young surveyor's pitch here, I have to assume that in some of that work that, that, that you're doing, uh, you're running into um, some, whether they're part of the Young Surveyors Network or not, but probably young people in the same uh, realm of the things that we do, that that must be really exciting, too, to, to interface with them and, and share information back and forth. And I, I assume there's a lot of enthusiasm on their end to try to, to start working toward these goals. Yeah, it's always part of uh, the discussions, like in the Young Surveyors meetings we have, it's always uh, part of the agenda. And it's also, like in Nepal, there's a really nice example um, um, that one of the uh, persons who have embraced uh, the drone technology there is one of the Young Surveyors there. And he's really doing a good job in helping uh, communities to uh, map the areas, to uh, show them where the risks are for landslides, etc. Um, so he's embracing the new technology, and he's going out in the field as a young surveyor. And um, yeah, he's uh, he has some impressive results already. Do you find when you go and and in these areas where people are obviously already living, um, do they already have some level of understanding of what's one person's and what's another's in terms of of I don't know if ownership's the right word, but usage? Or is that just totally unknown to them? No, they know perfectly well who has been living where for yeah the last few decades, and uh, they know that. So that's also the power you can use when you go out there and and um, map at local level uh, who owns what, because at community level, the people know what they own, but they only have to uh, draw that on a map or to show that on an aerial picture um, and. So the knowledge is there, but it's never been documented. Right. Yeah. So I guess it's sort of a dual purpose. You're documenting it, so there's um, actually a, a record of what everybody already knows, but you're putting it into a record. And I, I don't know if in these areas it eventually becomes an issue as it is in the developed world, so to speak. It also creates a... a a, a tax arrangement for if people have to pay taxes to help support the country, then it, uh, I guess it probably helps create that as well. Yeah, so you really have to define uh, the purpose. Is it for tax income or is it to, for in Nepal, for instance, it's about uh, that people are able to, uh, to to rebuild their lives. So it has different purposes. So you have to start with that. Um, but then uh, it can be uh, used and then they can see also the added value um, of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I, I, I know I told you a couple of times as we were preparing for the show that this thing goes really, really fast, and believe it or not, we're 20 seconds away from our next break. So we, we're going to go take this, that break here in a, in a few seconds. But when we come back, I want to ask Paula what a driving judge is. I'm sure that will be a <laughs> to our audience. So okay. uh, let's go to that last break, and we'll start our final segment with asking that question. So we'll be back shortly. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie. The next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products. The sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. Quick stakes. 
is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. By the way, I, I always try to make sure I think. So we're back for our last segment today with Paula Dykstra and Eric Hagemans. And one of the things that was on our list of items to talk about that Paula was going to explain to our audience is what is a driving judge and what does a driving judge do? Well, the driving judge uh, drives to um, to the people. So it's actually a, a judge um, in the Netherlands, and he goes to uh, two parties who are having a feud. And it's a television show that's aired um, weekly. And um, most of the time, I think 80 to 90% of the cases, it's about a cadastral dispute. So they have a dispute about their, their boundary. So uh, the judge goes to um, their area, and the people, uh, both parties, explain the situation, um, and they, they describe what they are um, experiencing. Uh, it can be about an easement, or it can be about the fence, uh, if it's on the right place, or if the fence is not uh, correctly, um, or they are dissatisfied uh, with it. And um, after presenting uh, both cases in the field, um, then uh, the judge will make a decision. And he does that also based on uh, the evidence that is uh, provided by, uh, by cadaster. So there's always a cadastral surveyor uh, present uh, during those shows where there's a cadastral boundary um, involved. And sometimes there are also other experts uh, asked to, to contribute to a certain uh, situation. And it's quite a popular television show. Um, um, yeah, people can also go afterwards to the te- to the website and uh, say if they agree or disagree with uh, with uh, with uh, yeah the, what the judge uh, is saying. So yeah, that's what the that's driving judge is. That's really interesting. So is this? It sounds very much to me like um, uh, American um, shows that reality TV shows, so to speak. Um, they take a different twist quite often, but nonetheless. So, is the 
the judge is the, always the same person, or could it be different people at different times? Well, it's it's basically it's the same person, but we do do have a second driving judge because the first driving judge has come uh, has went to another uh, TV station, what's uh, more um, a private TV station. So now we have two uh, different programs, but we work together with both the pro both the programs as cadaster, and uh, the, so the programs are. No, go ahead. The, the, the programs are quite juicy <laughs> because uh, by intending the problem, um, the, the people on the TV uh, used the, the, the time to say very nice things about the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> and we like it very much. <laughs> now, did I, so did I understand, Eric, that, that you are one of the people? Uh, that's, the dri that's the driving judge, or is this, how's that determined? No, I'm, not, I'm not myself, but I would like to be uh, sometimes. <laughs> it, it is so more the, the TV stations choose who their their. I guess a driving judge is like a host of the show, so to speak, that sort of coordinates yeah. all the conversation. Yeah, but he is actually a real judge. Oh, a real judge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that would be. Really interesting. We need to bring that to America. That that would that would fit right in with our our reality TV shows. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, lend lend us emotion. So you see uh, how people react on each other, and um, as a um, observant, you really see that things really get out of hand sometimes over over nothing, or it seems about over nothing. But it's just also about communicating, uh, yeah, with each other about yeah. your boundaries, etc. Yeah. But, but what, what we, uh, we in, in fact, it is a little bit imported from, the, from America, not the driving judge itself, but shows like Jerry Springer or Oprah, where you also did see the, the emotion with people, uh, what it can do. Uh, so you have always uh, one, part, uh, one party is very disappointed at the end. So that is uh, quite juicy, uh, as I said. Yeah, I can see that, that it would be, and because... Uh, obviously, people have such a connection to their land, regardless of where they are, anywhere in the world, that it, it uh, elicits a lot of emotion because, you know, you, you look at the hierarchy that are of things that are important to people, uh, land is up there pretty darn high. So I can certainly see these situations. And, and, and actually what you're, what you're demonstrating is, it's almost like an everyday, uh, real-world experience because somewhere, some sometime, people are always at odds with each other, either actively or, or at least in their thoughts about where their land lies, who's using somebody else's, what are they doing with it, are they making money, all those kind of things. So, yeah, I can see where it would be, uh, as as Eric says, a juicy show. I can certainly see that. Yeah. And it's it's the role of cadaster to really provide the legal certainty to um, yeah to the viewers and also or to the to to the parties like how it is registered, and based on that uh, the judge can make uh, make a decision. Right now, is this in Netherlands only, or is it in other areas as well? I've never seen where the show it, takes so. place. No, I've never seen the show. No. Eric, do you know? No, I don't know uh, somewhere else, but. 
because I don't look too much uh, television, so I don't know. I really don't know uh, <laughs> in the rest of Europe. So, uh, well, but this shows me. I was just going to say, uh, we're envious if you don't watch much TV because it seems as though television consumes uh, a, a big portion of the lives of people here. <laughs> yeah. It seems as though we learn all the things that uh, that are learned these days through some type of social media, whether it be TV or, or whatever the case may be. And that That's a, another subject for old people like me to look back on the learning process as it has maybe devolved is the better term (laughs) (laughs) over the years. So I I can certainly appreciate that. So what are you all thinking, uh, either Eric or or Paul, what are you you looking on the horizon? What do you see out there? What, What developments are coming or innovations that seem imminent to you? Well, as I, as I said, we are trying to uh, uh, to, to innovate uh, the cadastral map to, to, to put some more uh, precision to it. We have a certain uh, uh, fear to, to do that because all the square meters of the passes of people might change. So we are uh, looking forward to the communication about uh, people losing uh, some, uh, some square meters. And that is also due to... Uh, uh, living with a lot of people in a very tiny uh, little country, so uh, we are very densely uh, populated. So that makes it also very uh, uh, sensitive to uh, to people. But that is really uh, what we are attending uh, uh, right now. And uh, another innovation I, I would like to say that is not cadastral is that we have an um, an height information system for the whole of Netherlands. That is not established by the cadaster, but by another uh, government organization. And um, so we provide that also to the public. And it is very important for the Netherlands because we it's not only a small country, it's also a very flat country. And some, uh, some centimeter height difference might make the difference between uh, getting red feet or not. So that is why it's very important uh, to have that. Yeah, I think having a, a, a better uh, system in determining height is is a critical thing for for everywhere, really. But I can certainly see where it would be for you. I mean, you don't have the the topographic relief, so to speak, that a lot of countries do. And, um, so I can certainly see where that would be of, of major interest. Of course, I don't know if you're familiar or have worked at all with uh, with our NOAA here in the U.S. or National Geodetic Survey. They do a lot of work around the world. Those, those types of things, and but you're right. That's that's every bit as important as where the land boundaries lie. Is what is usable land and what's going to be affected by floods or whatever the case may be. And that's where I see a next challenge for the future is also to do that uh, across boundaries. Like for Europe, it's really important also to see if there is a lot of melting uh, snow water, uh, where is it going to flow, and is it going to uh, cause any damage in different countries, so that you also can combine data uh, with other countries in Europe, but also uh, at global level. So, um, yeah, uh, we have a, a challenge to make data more uniform, to, de- to agree on standards, so that we uh, we can also exchange uh, data more easily uh, at a global level. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, uh, absolutely, whether it's uh, 
local, regional, international, or global, you're exactly right, having all of that information available. and um, Sometimes we, we lose track or, or, or lose focus uh, here in terms of, of those international boundaries you're talking about. Well, you know, we have state boundaries from, from state to state. Um, but as you're dealing with other, other countries, I can see where uh, particularly this thing about elevation and, and drainage and where water goes and uh, how, it, how, it, you know, how, the, how the water forms, whether it's heavy snows or storms or whatever the case may be. So I can certainly see that. So um, we're a couple of minutes away from the end, so I want to make sure that uh, I say to you how much I appreciate you both joining me today. And I know we've gone through a couple of iterations to, to get you here, and so I, I apologize for that. But uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation today, and, and I certainly would love to have you come back on uh, anytime you might be available because for our audience, hearing things that you have to say and what we often look at as being further down the road in terms of working on our problems than, than we are here is certainly informational for us as well. Uh, so hopefully we've been able to cover most of what you wanted to tell folks today with, with not too many interruptions from me. But uh, I do appreciate you being with me, and, and hopefully we can get you back. Well, I am, sorry, Eric. I, I enjoyed it also very much. Uh, it was the first time on the radio in the United States, so it feels very... Uh, very nice to me, and there was a fantastic audience, so I would also uh, thank them. <laughs> and I well, what we'll, what we'll have to do is make sure I get the information to you guys so you can go to the radio station's website and download this show, and then you can play it for all your friends. Uh, oh, that okay. would be nice. That would be nice. Yes. Yeah, no, we'll thank sure you, sir. Yeah. Well, thank you for having us. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and um, yeah, we are all, Eric and me are only two out of 1,700 uh, employees, so there's much wow. more to share and much more to tell, so we can certainly uh, connect you to other uh, colleagues of ours who can tell more about certain um, angles of our uh, profession, and uh, they are just as passionate as we are, so um, yeah. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.